Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages 6 and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. If you have been listening for the past several months, I imagine you have picked up that I've had a lot of stress going on outside of this show. It's been really difficult, actually, for me to not be able to fully articulate what is going on, since when it just comes to me, I am an open book. But there have been actual reasons where I have not been able to disclose what is going on. The good news is, though, that I've emerged from the fog and I'm actually recording this episode during an unprecedented move for me. I'm engaged in a week-long creative and restorative retreat with myself. It's the longest I've been away from my kids in about 11 years when I traveled to Ethiopia for 10 days for a project. And during this time, I'm just taking the opportunity to be quiet, to work on some creative things, to sink into the small moments of everyday life, to do a lot of weirdly satisfying manual labor, and to operate on my own schedule in a way that I've never done before. So first, I'm really grateful to my family for giving me the gift of their blessings and the logistical support to make this happen. They really saw me at some serious lows this year. And it feels really good to be on the other side of that. In today's episode, I want to share some of my learnings for what I'm calling this new beginning in the hopes that it might help spark a bit of change where you need it. But first, I want to read a listener note, which I'm sharing with permission. This listener messaged me and said, Hello, I'm reaching out with gratitude. I listened to your mini edit episode on editing toxic friendships. Thank you and wow, I took notes. I read and reread my notes. I feel lighter and freer and more me after editing out some mom friends in my life who made me feel small, a weakened version of myself, not worth my time. The cool crowd is toxic. 
I'm focusing on the ladies who make me feel lighter and funnier and like the best version of the person that I am. I smile more. Thank you for encouraging me. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much to this listener who wrote in. It's worth noting that that Toxic Friendships episode was in fact a mini edit. These are the super short five to eight minute episodes where I focus in on a topic and it just lights me up because it's a great example of how a small moment of engagement with a thought, yourself, whatever, can help you initiate change and find agency in your life. So this meant the world to me to read this message, and it just makes me so happy. I will link up that Toxic Friendships mini edit in the notes so that you have access to it easily. And after a quick break, I'll be back to talk about this new beginning. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. I want to start by framing why this transition was so notable and so challenging for me. I'm going to share in the notes an essay I wrote on Substack called Facing Uncertainty. And there are more details in that post, but here's some top line framing information. I have an incredible capacity to catastrophize about financial instability. And this was set into motion about 31 years ago when at age 18, I learned during the spring semester of my freshman year that if I wanted to stay in college, I would need to figure out how to pay for it myself. As you can imagine, this was super stressful. I had a colossal freakout in my dorm room 
and a subsequent pleading meltdown at my college's financial aid office. It was just next level. And then I did what I knew how to do best, which was dig my heels in and just try to start marching towards a goal of a financial target of what I needed to do in order to be able to return for my sophomore year. That summer, I worked as a temp in Boston during the nine to five business hours. And then several nights a week, I would take public transit directly from my day job to my evening job scooping ice cream until about 11 p.m. And it was just rinse and repeat all summer long. It was exhausting, but it was doable. And that summer really solidified in my mind a direct relationship between earning money and whether or not I was going to survive. Not surprisingly, it is way more stressful to catastrophize about financial instability and survival when you have kids and increased financial responsibilities. And there have been two significant junctures at which I've faced uncertainty and my scarcity fears in relation to a professional leap of faith. But these two scenarios were really different. The first scenario was when I left academia. And at that point, I was a postdoc. I had this very fancy sounding triple appointment at Mass General Hospital, MIT, and Harvard Medical School. And I was also making a really terrible, crappy postdoc salary. At that point, I was just north of about $40,000 a year. So it was almost more expensive to send my kid to daycare than work, but I did like working, and that was the plan. But when I made that leap to leave science, which I did because I realized that I was a good scientist, but I didn't love it the way I wanted to love it and knew I would need to love it if I was going to slog it out as a junior faculty member in the Boston area. And also, I wanted something more creative, more flexible, more independent. And I also realized that if I was going to work, I really wanted to love it because working meant time away from my family. So at that time, I made the leap and It's worth noting that my husband had a consulting job that took care of our health insurance benefits. We only had one kid. We lived in a rental unit. So the leap was, in fact, significant from a professional lens. But from a logistical and financial standpoint, it was a lot easier. In contrast, the leap I just recently made was coming at a very different time. I was saying goodbye to a slice of my professional breadbasket that represented about 65% of my income last year, while also killing me from an emotional and values perspective. Obviously, there are many more responsibilities now. I have a kid in college. I have two children. We own property. Life is much more complicated. It's wonderful and complicated. So two things converged in my ability to take this leap. And one was that I was just pushed to the brink and I couldn't take what I was doing anymore. And the other was that I did have the realization that it was okay for me to not have the road of the next chapter mapped. I needed to trust my internal compass, my treasure chest of relationships, experience, and skills that I've built over the last 17 years. And so I jumped, fueled by a mantra that helped me leap into uncertainty in service of my well-being. I felt free and alive. And what happened within the next week was pretty amazing. We'll be right back. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, 
a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. So there's another Substack essay I will link up in the notes called Finding a New Gear. And in this essay, I share more about what life looked like running at 150 miles per hour, which I technically am really, really good at. But when my life got complicated and emotionally exhausting over the past couple of years, it just became really difficult. I found that I needed to pull back on things I love doing in service of other things. And I felt like I was just engaged in this interminable battle with time and fatigue. I felt like I had to Tetris the things I cared about around obligations. I was often gritting my teeth to show up as a professional. I laid awake, spinning with angry and anxious thoughts while I just wanted to be asleep. And I felt like my kids' key memories of me during this phase of life would be hot mess. It was not good. It's worth noting that in the initial days after my big leap, I felt a little bit like a baby deer learning how to walk. I realized that in some ways, for me personally, running at 150 miles per hour was kind of easier. It allowed me to just shut out my feelings, just keep focusing on my to-do list, and keep moving from one thing to the next, like a clenched robot. (laughs) And then during my first week after my transition, I was downshifting to about 45 miles per hour and something unexpected happened. I don't know if it was due to system failure. I was really releasing a lot of toxicity. Maybe it was the drastic change in schedule, but I was confused and my ability to adult kind of went out the window. Dishes stacked up in the sink. I ignored laundry. I got to the end of the day, unable to remember what I did during the day. I even started to whine a little bit. For example, when my husband asked if I wanted to call in burritos or pick them up, obviously a point of privilege to even be able to get burritos, I rolled my eyes and whined, neither. Both jobs sound too hard. I mean, yikes. 
Now, I do think I deserved some short-circuiting slack given the stress I had been under, but that moment did really help me snap out of my funk and reorient myself to the present. The next week, it turned out to be kind of the first regular work week in a new 45 miles per hour gear. The previous week had been the July 4th holiday week, so it was a little stop-start anyway. And so in that following week, I decided to take some notes. That's what I do. I like data. So I wanted to see what would happen if I plotted out a little structure in my days around some ongoing things I had, along with just living. And it really was proving to be a beautiful new reality. So here are some observations that I shared from that first full week, all of which have continued since. I'm still working on projects, but the notable thing is that they are all projects of my choosing, all rooted in my creative passions and superpowers, which is so exciting. My daily to-do list is much more reasonable. When I was at 150 miles per hour gear, that to-do list could get anywhere from 60 to 80, 85 items. Now my daily to-do is more like 20 to 25 items, full but doable. I no longer rush to my office to start working at 7 a.m., which was definitely something that I would do regularly before. A huge change is that my days are no longer bloated with meetings. This was always a really big pain point for me, both because being in meetings takes away from the time to actually do the work, and also I had plenty of meetings that could just be emails, that whole thing. But also, I find that when I'm deep in the work zone, I was always worrying about losing track of time and being late to meetings. And I experimented with things like setting alarms for meetings and nothing seemed very satisfying. I think I just didn't like being in meetings all the time. Notably, I'm not orchestrating my minutes from 7 a.m. to 5.30 or 6 p.m., continually project switching and figuring out how to maximize every minute. That is exhausting stuff to do for 10 and a half to 11 hours straight each weekday. Again, I'm really good at it, but I don't think that's a real sustainable way to live. (laughs) I'm also able to do things with Violet during work hours that are not really a big deal. Like, for example, a 45-minute excursion to pop over to a local bookstore and ice cream shop. But they sure felt like a big deal when I was orchestrating my minutes from 7 a.m. to 5.30 or 6 p.m. every weekday. I can now issue loving invitations to my family like going for a walk or meeting up for lunch or playing card games or doodling or making clay animals. Another big one is that I can now say, yes, what's up? When someone comes into my office, instead of holding any irritation at being interrupted and saying, give me a moment so I can finish my thought. I'm in the middle of something, which was a valid thing I needed to do in order to protect my brain space because I was project switching and moving from one thing to the next so quickly. I literally would forget things if I stopped and was interrupted. I no longer need to eat lunch at my desk to optimize work time. I have the space to opt to meet a friend for an early morning hike on a weekday with our dogs if I want to. That has actually been one of the most beautiful edits to my summer starting the day with like an hour and 15 minute hike through the woods really early in the morning. So, so wonderful. I delight in catching up with people on Zoom again now that I don't have to be on Zoom all day. And it's been really, really fun 
and fantastic to reconnect with people again. I can, at the last minute, offer to do things like make a pretty birthday cake for someone to help them out, and it feels 100% joyful and not at all like another task crowding my to-do list. A big one, since I talk about meal prep so much on this show, is that I can enjoy weekend food prep and mealtime preparations and do it at a slower pace instead of feeling like feeding my family is a matter of life or death. One small example of a little tweak that just feels so tiny but was so big, I recently decided to make pizza and actually use the pizza peel and pizza stone, which totally results in better pizza, by the way. But I hadn't done that previously in who knows how many times making pizza because it meant taking an extra five minutes to go down to retrieve the pizza stone and the pizza peel from the basement. Five minutes to way better pizza. I no longer struggle with end of workday transitions, attempting to be a present, pleasant person while trying to unwind my clenched face and slow down my spinning mind. I've time to read the newspaper again. I have been able to delight in long overdue small acts of household care, like weeding, which I literally had not done for two years, and I must say is proving highly satisfying while also helping me fall in love with my tiny backyard again, which is such a gift to have an outdoor space. I have actually experienced moments of boredom, which I think is a positive. I'll finish my daily to-do list sometimes, and I'm like, okay, what's next? And from boredom comes good things, I think. On the weekends, I'm not playing catch-up on creative work that got squeezed out during unexpected crises during the work week. Instead, I can say to myself with certainty, okay, enjoy what you're doing now. You have time to take care of that tomorrow. Oh my goodness, that's been a huge shift. Also, because I'm not playing catch up on the weekends, I can be fun mom and take my kids out for a lazy day excursion and actually enjoy it. I can be the person to help create degrees of freedom for other people. Violet was in a week-long summer camp with a couple of friends, and I was able to offer to do both the drop-offs and pickups because it would truly not be a big deal for me. And it allowed two other parents to not have to rush on the pickup side. It just made me so, so happy to help create space for others since I have been the recipient of more transportation favors than I can count. I'm finally, for the first time since I began working full-time at the age of 21, taking more than five days of vacation time in a row. I mean, honestly, what was I thinking the past 28 years? I feel light and happy and excited about each day ahead. I have been more relaxed about, well, pretty much everything. A funny recent example, we had friends over and wanted to grill, and I bought three bottles of barbecue sauce at Trader Joe's. And listen, I opened them all. Normally, I would only open condiments in sequence. We'd need to choose one, finish that bottle before we could try the next. Instead, I was like, these all look great. Let's do a sampler so we can try them all. We need to live. My family was shocked. In a nutshell, I'm figuring out how to live like a more balanced human being. At some point, I may need to adjust the gear upwards a little bit for financial reasons, but. A couple of opportunities have come my way recently and suggest that things might be sustainable where I am right this second or not far from it, which is kind of a little shocking to me, but 
also kind of not. And I feel like the universe keeps giving me moments and gifts to remind me, yes, you can do hard things, but you don't need to do it that way anymore. Finally, I will link up another Substack essay called Season of Noticing, which I published recently. And in this phase of life that I'm in, I just feel like I have this heightened awareness of noticing the small moments and thinking about the stories behind them. And in that essay, I share some of those. This has been a really cool period of transition and discovery. It is, in fact, at age 49, a new beginning, and I'm so grateful for it. For your next edit, it's real simple. I want you to identify one tiny thing to delight in tomorrow and to do it. Live. You'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at Edit Your Life Show or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.